0: Hi, welcome to the landscape of Crane's Cleveland podcast. We are presented with the support of Medical Mutual. I'm your host, Dan Paletta. Always glad you can join us. It's an exciting weekend for classical music lovers as the Cleveland Orchestra makes its return to the Blossom Music Center to kick off the 2021 season after a year of sadly not being at Blossom. Here to tell us what's going to be going on this summer into the fall and just talk about what's happening with the orchestra in general is its CEO and president, Andre Gremiello. I saw you on TV, it was in April, I think it was on channel 19. Well, I think I believe you were announcing the the blossom schedule and you said, this is last week was the best week in a year because I'm finally announcing that we're doing something instead of canceling something. It has to be thrilling to say that we're ready to perform again. What's the last year been like for you and for the orchestra?
1: It's been an inter- interesting year, <laughs> a, a tough one, you know but overall it's it's been okay. you know I, I would say the most difficult part has been, yes, the constant uncertainty, the constant cancellations, you know, but in the grand scheme of things, everyone is healthy, everyone is doing all right. And, uh, and as you said, we're really excited to, uh, to be back this weekend.
0: When April, last April rolled around because of the COVID, you had to make some reductions in staff and, and salary cuts. Were you able to bring back any of the people that, that you were had to lay off or furlough during that period? We did, actually. We only
1: had a temporary furlough, which was the idea from the, from the beginning. So, uh, so we're very proud that we have kept basically all of our people uh, employed, even though, as, as you referred to, there have been and continues to be salary cuts for, for everyone. But for us, it was very important to take care of our people um, and also to be ready for the post-pandemic world. You know, it's not easy to get the right people. For these for these jobs and uh, keeping our people was was the right choice for us.
0: You were still able to announce in December that the orchestra was able to balance its budget. That couldn't have been easy given the lost revenue. So how were we able to do that?
1: It really was a, a combination of several uh, several factors. Um, the first one, as we just talked about, the, the, the pay cuts for everybody. You know, you know, most of our costs are labor for us, so uh, that makes a big difference, a big a big dent. Um, but also we benefited from the government programs. We got a, uh, two PPP loans. The first one has been forgiven. So that made a big difference for us. And the third part really has been the fundraising. We had a, a very successful uh, emergency campaign due to the pandemic, studying with the board that was very generous. And then our donors really came through for us. Um, and I can't, you know, I can't uh, speak enough about the generosity of Northeast Ohio. It's been remarkable
0: for us. This is The Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast. More of our conversation in just a moment. But first, a word from our partner, Medical Mutual. Fundraising is always a big part of the job, the kind of job that you have. How are you thinking about the model in the future? I mean, fortunately, over the years, the orchestra's been able to rely on some wonderful patrons who have supported it. Is that going to continue to be the model, or are there other ways to start thinking about raising the money that keeps the orchestra going?
1: I think the model is always evolving. There's a basic fact, which is you cannot, in our world, charge the true, the true cost of a ticket to the audience. You know, If you want to be an orchestra that's accessible to, to the community, uh, there's just no way you can charge the, the true price uh, to the audience. So, so therefore, philanthropy will always be a part of that. Having said that, you know we've been uh, really looking at ways to diversify that philanthropy, to be uh, able to raise some money outside Northeast Ohio, for example. You know we've done so in Miami, we do so in Europe, um, and also to look at ways to increase the earned revenue. That's always something that we look at, you know, with different uh, different aspects of the business. We're fortunate to own both of our halls, which not all orchestras. Uh, are as fortunate. So we we're always looking at, at creative ways to make the most of these remarkable assets that we have. But there's no doubt that, you know, we we will continue to need the support of this community in order to continue to be the Cleveland Orchestra in the future.
0: One of the things the orchestra did, since you couldn't have in-person concerts, was to go to a, to a streaming app called Adela. How successful was that? Were you pleased with the results? I'm very pleased with the results. It's interesting,
1: you know. Um, you were talking about the last year with the pandemic. And when you look at the, what this pandemic has done for our business, um, the disruption aside for a minute, it really has accelerated a lot of these uh, initiatives that we were looking at pre, pre-pandemic. And streaming was was at the top of the list. We were really starting to work on what streaming from Severance Hall could look like. And the pandemic really, uh, Got us really focused on this and we had to deliver very quickly having said that we looked at perhaps the first phase of, of the streaming strategy and uh, during this pandemic and that first phase was you know primarily for northeast ohio audiences so this this was not about promoting the orchestra throughout the world this will come later post-pandemic world but it, w- it was really about um making sure that we had something to deliver to our audiences since they couldn't come in person. And in that way, it's been very successful. You know, we have over 2,700 subscribers to a download, again, with very little marketing. Um, even, even though we haven't promoted it worldwide, we have about 50 countries represented uh, amongst our members. Um, and it's been very successful. And as we speak, we're working on the post-pandemic model, which really will be there to supplement the live concert experience. You know, Adela was never meant to replace uh, a live concert experience, but during the pandemic, it did. You know, but in the in the long term, it's really about supplementing. Uh, nothing can replace being in a hall for a concert, but there are things you can do digitally that can really enhance the experience. Whether it's it's interviews, uh, look at behind the scenes, some some close-ups. Of the of the performers, just to name a few, and and that's really exciting as we look at you know post pandemic world.
0: I think people are fascinated to go behind the curtain. Whenever you watch the Metropolitan Opera broadcasts, that's part of the excitement when they take you backstage. Have you found that Adela? Have you heard anything from Adela viewers who found that an interesting part of the program?
1: Oh, absolutely. We get a lot of comments about that, and and again, it's consistent with what we've been trying to do pre pandemic. You know, I've been really focused with the team on how do we tell our story, and there's a great story. This. There's history there, but there's also a a story of of our community that explains why this orchestra is in this town. You know, when people ask me, we've never been to Cleveland, you know, how is it possible that Cleveland, Ohio has this great orchestra? And telling that story through the artists who choose to come here when they could go anywhere else, I think that's what's interesting. And, you know, whether with the podcast or whether with In Focus, as part of Vedella, we are hopefully telling that story more and more so that people in Ohio can take even more pride in the orchestra. and People outside of Ohio, uh, I think, get a better understanding of, uh, of what this community is about.
0: Not to mix metaphors, but it's often said in the world of sports that the only thing harder than winning a championship is winning the second one for whatever reason, whether it's complacency or you just don't have the fire. But the Cleveland Orchestra is a consistent winner for lack of a better term how does a, how does an organization maintain a level of excellence not for a year not for 10 years but for 50 or 100
1: it's a great question you know and that's something i think about every day you know i'm i'm, I'm the ninth um, executive director or ceo in 103 years so that gives you a sense of you know of um, the great history but also of the accountability that someone like like uh like me has in this position so i I spend a lot of time thinking about you know how do i make sure that i i keep on building and we don't jeopardize this this incredible jewel. and a lot of that has to do with the culture there's a culture in this place of of absolute excellence Um, and i would say a culture of the egos not getting in the way now there are lots of big egos here as there should be right (laughs) yet everyone is able to put that ego aside for the common purpose. And and that's something that you need to preserve because it's easily lost if you don't pay attention to that culture. So when you hire people uh, in the the leadership roles that you select people for, all of this you need to pay attention to um, and make sure that every decision you make, you keep that in mind. You know what's best in terms of excellence and in terms of serving this community. Um, And that's very exciting because you you feel that you're making a difference.
0: Is part of that culture a willingness to change? Sometimes when you have an institution that's so tradition-heavy, so tradition-rich, people often say, well, that's not the way we did it before. We always did it this way. Are people in the orchestra, both in the orchestra itself, willing to change as well as the staff?
1: Absolutely. And I would say this is one of the reasons why this orchestra has remained successful. It is an institution that is not afraid to evolve, and this... And also an orchestra that is not focused on the past. You know, it's really interesting. Obviously, there's a great tradition, but if people are forward-looking here. Um, and and uh, as we were just talking about, is, is a good example of that. It was a huge change for this orchestra. Imagine, you know, to have cameras on you every second of the performance, to have close-up. This is not what these musicians have done, for example. You know, yes, we, we would do performances on PBS every few years. That's very different. Now it's been week after week, you know. Uh, yet they have embraced them. You know, we are doing things very differently than were than the way they were done a few years ago, even. Uh, and I think that's one of the great traits of this orchestra. It is not uh, resting on its laurels, ever. And certainly, as, as the CEO, I, I make sure that I, I play a leading role in, in that way because there's no way, you know, what was good. And 10 years ago, in some cases, it's no longer applicable now. And if you if you refuse to see that, to adapt to this community uh, for which we're you know we're here to serve, then you miss the boat.
0: This is the Landscape, Ukraine's Cleveland podcast, presented with the support of Medical Mutual. I'm Dan Poletto. joined here today by the president and CEO of the Cleveland Orchestra, André Grémier. André, let's talk about this weekend's concert, of Familiar Face Returns. Brett Mitchell, who was here as an associate conductor a few years ago, is coming back. It's the traditional 4th of July program. When you do these kinds of shows, people come with a certain set of expectations. You have to meet those, don't you, in some respects?
1: Yes, there are expectations. So uh, one of these expectations is the 1812 overture by Tchaikovsky. Now, it still beats me why this is a tradition, you know, <laughs> a, a work by a Russian composer uh, about uh, about the French and, and, the, and, and the Russians uh, fighting, but it is what it is. Uh, but for the rest, it's, of course, uh, mostly uh, a great American program with the uh, the usual Susan March, um, but some music by, by Bernstein and, and, and some music by uh, uh, composers that people may be less uh, familiar with, like... Uh, like Florence Price um, uh, or Hailstork, uh, the American Fanfare. So I think it's something people will be, will be uh, delighted both to hear familiar works and hopefully there's some new works
0: as well. So what's the thought process when it comes to programming Blossom? You are going to present works, of course, by you know Elgar, and you'll present works by Tchaikovsky, as you mentioned, but then there's a concert with Stuart Copeland and the police. It's a, is it a balancing act to try to make sure that you have both of those sorts of things for the summer audience?
1: It is, you know, um, the first thing to to think about is that, you know, Blossom is um, obviously a major venue here, and as the owner of the venue, we you know we we manage this, and we have to think that this is more than just Cleveland Orchestra concerts, but even amongst our own offerings, we need to think of a more diverse audience than we might have at Severance Hall. Um, it's also a place where families love to come. You know, this is. The probably the best venue for families. So we need to have this wide breadth of offerings for all of our diverse audiences. Um, and having Stuart Copeland, you know, uh, is, is a good example of that. Having said that, all of the artists, they are the best at what they do, you know, and and absolutely top level, even though the music may be different than what we do week after week at Center's Hall. So the musicians love it, our audience loves it. And it's, uh, you know, It's a a beloved Blossom tradition to have these different types of
0: uh, concerts. As we look ahead to the fall season, you have a wonderful program. A lot of diverse composers this year. I mean, the orchestra is always going to play Beethoven. They're always going to play Brahms. But, for example, I saw a wonderful concert that John Adams is going to come in to conduct where we'll get a chance to hear a piece that he premiered in 2019. When you talk to audiences, are they becoming more open to hearing those kinds of things in addition to making sure that we hear Brahms and and Beethoven?
1: I think they are. And I think it's one of the features of, of Cleveland audiences. They're highly sophisticated. And again, in the best sense of the term, you know, sometimes you hear the term sophisticated and there's some some kind of um, notions of, of being snobs and all of this. That's really not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about audiences that are curious. And um, and I think there's a real trust between the orchestra, between Franz Herzogers and our audiences. And they may not love everything we play. You, you know, you can't love everything, but they will give it a try. And with John Adams specifically, it's it's kind of a new relationship that we've developed over the past few years. Uh, John Adams loves coming here. He loves uh, conducting the Cleveland Orchestra, and obviously he's one of the first composers of our of our time. So uh, so you should expect to see John Adams basically every season, you know, for the, for the foreseeable future if he's uh, willing to come. Uh, and the program that he put together for us, I think, is fascinating. It has and his new piano concerto with Yuja Wang, who's a regular here in Cleveland, this amazing Chinese pianist. Um, and he has another work of his, but then works by other American composers from Philip Glass to two young composers that he's um, championing. And that tells you something about John. He's a really generous artist, and he's trying to help also young composers. So uh, we have a work with this wonderful uh, young lady, Gabriella Smith, who's very young, was basically starting, but very promising. Um, and I think most of the work, the work by Steve Reich, are all premieres. So we'll be discovering along with the audience.
0: We mentioned that Brett Mitchell is coming back to conduct this weekend. So he is already familiar with the Cleveland Orchestra and many of the conductors who come in as guest conductors to take Franz Felster's most place for a week or two have conducted the orchestra what do they say when you talk to them and i would kind of think it's like here's the keys to the ferrari kind of thing it has to be a thrill even if you're a veteran conductor to get to conduct the cleveland orchestra
1: now let's face it they have to be nice right there here is our guest so but you know i've, I've been around this business for a while and i can tell you that the comments i get here are not the comments i was getting with other orchestras even though everyone is always very nice you know it does feel to them like they are indeed conducting, you know, driving the the Ferrari here. Um, And I think what they will comment on very often is, first, how prepared our musicians are. You know, when I was telling you earlier about, you know, the story behind the Cleveland Orchestra, uh, that's at the top of the list. You know, when you get to the level of the Cleveland Orchestra and and all other great orchestras, all the musicians are terrific, obviously. What makes the difference here, I believe, among others, is this incredible work ethic. You know, these musicians come to the first rehearsal in many cases and conductors will tell us that more prepared at the first rehearsal than some other orchestras at the second and third rehearsal. You know, they come to to rehearse the very first, you know, Tuesday morning. And even though they've never seen the works in some cases, like they're ready and the work starts at this very high level, you know. And that I hear consistently week after week how versatile they are, how ready they are, uh, and then of course the sheer virtuosity—they they can do anything. Uh, so, so you know, the, the, the people who are here year after year are so grateful to be here, and then they just love being in Cleveland, which is the other piece of it. You know, there's something about this community that's so welcoming, so hospitable, and uh, and I think they get a sense of of how great Cleveland is when they come here for a week
0: conducting in Severance. The orchestra has made plans to go to return its Miami residency in January of 2022 and also a trip to Carnegie Hall in June of 2022. How important is it for the orchestra to go on the road and play in other venues?
1: It's important on several levels. There's an artistic piece, which is it's really healthy for the orchestra to play in different halls before different audiences. Uh, You know, we're very spoiled at Severance. We have one of the greatest halls in the world. Um, And and it's really healthy for the orchestra to adapt and adjust its sound, you know. Um, I've heard the orchestra, I don't know, probably in 25 or 30 different halls. And every time it's slightly different, yet they are able to capture their clean sound, if you will. Um, And that's really, really, really good artistically. Uh, Then there's a piece about the brand, you know, that we need to be on the world stage, right? If you don't go to the Olympics, you haven't quite made it, you know, and there's something about shining on the world's greatest stages, from New York to Vienna to, to Tokyo, that's really important for our brand and for our place on the global stage. And then the third part of, you know, that's connected to the second is in order to keep attracting the very best in the world, you need to provide that. They want to be on these stages. This is why they've made it to the very top of their field. So for their own artistic fulfillment, it's really, really important. Um, and then perhaps the last piece I would mention As far as the orchestra is concerned is, you know, we think it's very important to represent Cleveland, Northeast Ohio, and even our country on the world scene. We think that we represent what's the very best about our community. Uh, And for many people around the world, what they know of Cleveland is the Cleveland Orchestra. You know, yes, they may know, they certainly will know the sports teams that they are in this country. But when you get out of the United States, you know, the sports teams are not necessarily as known they will know, you know, a few major institutions, but for many, the orchestra will represent Cleveland. And, uh, and they all think very highly of Cleveland because of the orchestra. And we take this kind of representation of our community very, very seriously. And, and we think we can be helpful in promoting what's best about our community, and also even helping in, in, with economic development, with, with businesses coming here, with people attracting, you know, the very best in the world in terms of workforce. So all of this is also part of the importance of touring from a, another aspect of the
0: world. So as we close, I must ask you, you were a formally trained pianist. Do you ever think to yourself, do you think I could sit in with the band maybe today? Ask Franz Felser most if you could play something. <laughs> no,
1: I won't, I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that. But I will say to you that, you know, the best, the best part of my job is sitting in the hall week after week. You know, I mean, what, what has been hardest for me in many ways during this pandemic, beyond the, the financial concerns and, and you know, and the, the day-to-day um, difficulties, has been not having that reward week after week. This is why I do this job, to sit in the hall and, and to hear this incredible orchestra perform. That's what makes it all, you know, worth it. So, um, you know, as, as someone who was trained as a pianist, clearly I have a, a really deep appreciation for what these musicians can do, and, um, and I keep getting amazed week after week.
0: I think that's why so many people go to hear the orchestra, to be amazed. We're looking forward to having the orchestra back at Blossom this weekend, as well as Severance Hall in the fall. Andre Gramier, thanks so much for joining us today. Great pleasure having you on The Landscape.
1: Thank you. It was
0: a pleasure. Andre Gramier is the president and CEO of the Cleveland Orchestra. He joined us for The Landscape, of Crane's Cleveland podcast. We're presented with the support of Medical Mutual. On behalf of our producer, Cody Smith, I'm Dan Valletta. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk again soon.